Hello and welcome to the Test Podcast. My name is Eleanor Busby and today I'm joined by Jonathan Owen. Hello, Jonathan. Hi there. Ed Dorrell. Hello, Ed. Hello, hello. And that's it. That's just the two of us. Uh, three, three of us, three, even. Three, like goodness, <laughs> three of us, yeah. But, you know, we've got lots going on this week. Um, just, in this w- just in today, an Ofsted story. Jonathan, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. It's um, been leading the news all day, and I think it will for the next couple of days, to be fair. It's, it's basically the end of a long-running court battle between Ofsted and an Islamic school up in Birmingham, the Al al-Hijra school, um, which has been controversial for a number of years, um, in and out of special measures um, with a series of problems over financial management. And last year, Ofsted inspectors pulled up the school because they discovered or it was brought to their attention that children were being segregated within the mixed school, so you had girls and boys being forced apart. Um, Some of the pupils complained to inspectors about this. They weren't too happy about that state of affairs. and to cut a long story short, it became a matter of legal dispute, and that has eventually concluded today with a, with a judgment from the um, High Court in London, where they've upheld an appeal by Ofsted um, against a previous ruling. So, so basically, Ofsted, in a previous ruling last year, had um, ruled in favour of the school, saying that Ofsted was being unfair. Um, and now the High Court's actually over, overruled that with a judgment saying that... Um, upholding you know, the right of Ofsted to censure the school for, for segregation of pupils um, down to their gender. It's kind of a slightly odd anomaly within the English school system, which is obviously full of odd anomalies, mm. that you can have single-sex schools, but if your school is registered as co-ed, then the school is obliged by law and now confirmed to allow children of both genders to mix and have a healthy relationship with one another. Mm. And this is the important part of it. So yeah. it's saying that schools that want to segregate, co-ed schools that want to segregate, aren't allowed. Right. Um, which will have an Im- implication for the growing number of state Muslim schools. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm by no means saying that all state Muslim schools do segregate, but it's one of the options that they have and that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. Which will be interesting. What about if you're just, um, say, doing a couple of classes um, in, you know, what, girls in one class, boys in others? Will it, will it have an effect on that? That's a good question. Does I anyone think, know yet? I, I think I think that's that's the big question that's going to be asked in the coming weeks and possibly months because, um, as it stands, there's no specific government guidance on on this area. Mm-hmm. So one of one of the one of the issues of debate or contention in the court case was the the fact that there was no sort of clarity over whether schools can segregate and on what basis so the school were unhappy that Ofsted were pulling them up on it because they they were saying look this isn't something that there's a policy on Mm. so how can we how can we sort of I don't know defend ourselves against something that hasn't been defined Mm -hmm. and I I think that you know that issue of when it when does temporary segregation become a permanent state of affairs and therefore illegal under um under equality legislation is is a matter that's going to be looked at mm-hmm. it's a big deal though yeah it's a really big deal 
be one to watch and see how it develops over the next Yeah, absolutely couple. right. Yeah. Ofsted, Ofsted, I will, I would add, will be very relieved to have won. Yeah. I mean, obviously, a completely different situation, but they lost in the High Court only a few weeks ago with the case about um, Durand in South London. Yeah. And I think it would have been embarrassing for Ofsted to have lost two major legal cases mm. in a short period of time. That's so true. I think the top strategists in Ofsted HQ will be quite relieved today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and hopefully, hopefully this won't be. I'm, I'm sure it will be in some sections of the m- mainstream media, but hopefully it won't be perceived as being a sort of Islamist issue. Because um, what has emerged is that you know, this 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 issue could affect a number of certain type of Christian schools as well as some yeah. Jewish schools. Mm-hmm. So so it really is a sort of um, it, it's a faith school issue uh, more than more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's also been a very busy day, well, busy day yesterday and busy day today, kind of digesting all the performance tables. Elliot, this is your subject. This is your bag, as they say. Yeah. Foisted so upon you by the news desk, but, but <laughs> nonetheless, your bag. Progress 8. Yes, Progress 8. So We've thought of little else these last few days. Yeah, who has? I mean, basically, schools will have had their Progress 8, provisional Progress 8 schools, um, but yesterday they were able to compare themselves against everyone else. So you had people being able to see where they come, in the, whether they're in the top 10. Obviously, there's not many that are in that situation. Well, 10. 10, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm really good at maths today, aren't I? Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think for a lot of schools, one of the things that when I was speaking, because we've done a weekend read that will be online very soon, uh, probably online now. As we speak. Um, yeah, um, looking at the, some of the top 10 schools. And um, a lot of them, when I spoke to them, they said, oh, we thought we were going to be at the top because they had a higher Progress 8 score than the Pro- Progress 8 score last year. Um, and then they were disappointed they were sixth or whatever. So, you know, there's still, still this kind of competitiveness to be at the top of a league table even though these are provisional schools basically what everyone said was going to happen has ha- well when i say everyone education data lab have have been saying that it's a fairer measure in general but there's a number of things in the first couple of years that will mean it's hard to compare year on year and that's very technical the reasons behind grading changes and obviously having two different um grading systems in place um so they've said, well, we knew these things were going to happen and hopefully it will all smoothed out in the next couple of years. But I think the concern is still that what is going to happen with Ofsted and RSCs? How closely are they going to be looking at this Progress 8 data in the first couple of years at a time when the GCSEs are being changed so much? And that's yeah. having a huge effect on things. Yeah, there's a general sense, I think, out there, and I've written a little bit about this, that the government might be softening its stance on floor targets mm. and softening, um, and off, obviously Ofsted made this big announcement about um, curriculum earlier this week as oh, well. Yes, of course. God, it's been a busy week. It has, hasn't it? <laughs> wow, um, yeah. Uh, and Ofsted certainly seemed to be moving away from a position of judging um, schools only by raw data, but also, sorry, not just by results, but by um, they want to judge them by curriculum too, and, and mm-hmm. the way they work with the curriculum. Um, so, do you think that's slightly going to soften the blow of these hard progress eight schools? I mean, hopefully, on the basis that well, speaking to our school, they said that they feel like Ofsted have said to them over and over again, "Look, we're not going to just look at this provisional score and make a judgment." Um, but I think that still there are heads out there that are really concerned, especially if they've seen that their Progress 8 score has changed drastically compared to last year. 
And I guess, yes, there's the Ofsted judgment and there's the RSC judgment, but also we're at the period now where parents are choosing schools um, and you know, people are going around on open evenings saying, I've got this Progress 8 school and trying to sell the school. If you've got a really poor Progress 8 school currently, you might be concerned about not getting enough kids into the school because you can't publicise it. So there's a number of factors going on. And with the application deadline in a couple of weeks, um, I think the fact that even these league tables come out just before that means that people can be quite frustrated because they are provisional data that doesn't include remarks. It's really interesting. We know of one school, which we can't name as yet, um, that is very high profile and has got a very disappointing Progress 8 school and has got the Ofsted inspectors in imminently. Mm. So that will be a good test of whether Ofsted is being disingenuous or not. Yes, exactly. And well, actually, another piece we did earlier in the week was about Ofsted inspections and Progress 8, and they looked at last year and whether a certain Ofsted inspection um, rating goes with a higher score, and they did find that they are very closely linked. So, uh, <laughs> In an unsurprising yeah, development. Yeah, so um, I know it was unsurprising, but I think it was kind of pitched as being a reassuring thing, but I don't know if it would be for everyone no. um, because, you know... So, yeah, lots, and there's still lots going on with that. I'm sure there'll be much more to report on next week around kind of the Progress 8 schools and the league tables. So keep tuned on that. Um, and we've got an, a massive analysis from you, Jonathan, <laughs> about funding. Thank Actually in the magazine. Too kind. In the magazine, not just on our website. You're too kind. Um, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's really looking at the, the impact of the national funding formula. This is a, a big cake that's been split a number of ways already over the last few months. But one thing we, we thought we'd look at was the number of schools that are going to get um, increases way above the, the cap that the government's put on the amount that schools were going to gain by, effectively. So we, we decided to look at the, the slice of the cake that sort of is going to give the biggest increase and to see if a pattern emerged. And that really it became very quickly apparent that grammar schools were appeared to be um, disproportionately represented on that list and and they were far far more likely to be getting the biggest um, biggest budget increases if you like uh, than than other types of school I think we worked out it was something like they're 20 time, 24 times more likely um, if you're a grammar to be getting one of these uh, big budget increases which is which goes above the six percent cap between now and 2020 so in some cases you're talking about schools that will be getting you know 10% at least more um, than they'll be getting next year if that makes sense it, it equates to tens of millions of, of pounds in extra funding and clearly you know grammar schools you know they, it is a contentious area and it is an area that sort of draws uh, strong opinions either for or against it's hard to find people that are particularly neutral on on mm. grammars in general so obviously it's, it makes it even more interesting that they appear to be um, benefiting to the extent that they are and it, grammar school heads have been going on for quite a long time that's been the main thing they've wanted to yeah. push forward that they do not get enough funding or that or they weren't going to get enough well, funding. But that's it. because it's surely that's because they're in affluent middle class county areas and the whole system was stacked against them but for a moral reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of them, not all of them. I mean, Overwhelmingly. <laughs> I mean, basically, it's the, the the fact that they are doing doing well under the formula is is a big change, and that it's a big change that's happened in the space of a few months. Because in the initial version of the formula, which was more more overtly geared towards around need, 
um, than, than just this sort of blanket, well, everyone's going to get the same amount and we'll look at topping you up here and there if you've got need. Need was at the core of the of the previous approach, or certainly more more towards the core. Under that version, grammar schools were going to lose out slightly. Um, they then mounted a very effective lobbying action against um, targeting certain MPs, holding meeting, getting meetings with ministers, and so on. And here we have the finalised version of the formula, and they're, you know, it's the they have completely reversed the previous position. So now grammar schools will will actually benefit far more than. I think something like double the the average of schools across the country. So you know, schools across the country, I think on average, will get three point six percent more if you average it all out. And grammar schools, as a sort of group, will get seven point something like seven point six, or it might be a bit more. Mm. So you can see they the, the lobbying's worked, and and yeah. you know whatever whatever the rights and wrongs of it, and whatever your point of view, you know the fact is that. Um, you know, their their argument always was that they needed the extra money to bring them up to the same level. Clearly, there's a bigger argument to be held about whether the level itself is enough for any school mm. in reality. And and the one big difference with grammars compared to most um, non-grammar schools is that they do, a lot of them do have very large endowment funds, uh, charitable trusts that give them significant... So they've got significant forms of funding um, outside of government. Mm-hmm. Which a, your average school, you know, might, wouldn't necessarily Absolutely have. Absolutely right. It'll be interesting because when they were concerned, greatly concerned about funding, they said that the funding um, pressures would mean that they might not be able to do as much outreach work. This is when obviously grammar schools were very mm. much in the spotlight on social mobility. Um, and I think they, they were saying just this week they put out a newsletter, the Grammar School Heads Association, about how they still think that if the government doesn't go ahead with that funding for the buses up to 15 miles away from the yeah. grammar schools, then they will struggle to get disadvantaged kids in. It'll be interesting to see with this well, extra money whether they'll be able to do more outreach work. I, I guess it depends. It depends mm-hmm. on how... I mean, it's, that's the acid test, really, isn't it? How, how, much, how much are you truly committed to... Uh, that agenda, because if you're truly committed, then perhaps you'd expect to see schools finding funding from other sources. Maybe they could approach their endowment funds and say, "Well, there's a shortfall in this from government, but we think it's important. Can we have some funding for it, please?" Mm. Maybe that would be a good indication of how how serious the, the schools are about that, you know, that agenda. I struggle to feel too sympathetic for them. I must be honest. Though to be fair to some of them, like the King Edward the Sixth schools in Birmingham, they do some great work for yeah. disadvantaged kids and social mobility yeah. and, and things so like that. No, it was all driven weirdly that all the all the great reforms in the King Edward's group in Birmingham was driven by the independent school. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, that's it, true. You know, it was all driven out of the centre, which is the big independent school. Mm. Yeah. There was that extraordinary fact. It's not so true now, but about three or four years ago, that the independent school through its bursaries uh, had more free school meals kids than the grammar schools mm. or kids who would have qualified for free school meals than the grammar schools right. that's, when, um, that's when the group as a whole um, thought that they ought to do something about their grammar schools right, yeah there's something slightly weird going on there yeah, yeah, definitely I mean obviously there's exceptions to every rule and you do, you know, that you will find some grammar schools that have you know, that have, you know pupils on free school mills or they might be in, in areas that you know that are generally deprived but but generally speaking you know grammars don't really fall into that category and certainly on the list that we looked at we we, we, we looked at the deprivation index um, against the 
the grammars that are going to you know get the biggest funding increases and the the vast majority um are in areas yeah, among which are among the least deprived and and we looked at the measure on education skills and training for that so if you look at educational deprivation that wasn't an issue or isn't an issue for the vast majority of grammars that are going to be getting the biggest um, uplift mm. um, but then you start straying into political territory because obviously it's, it's there are some people that um, would rather they didn't exist and there are others who want to see their numbers expand yeah don't we know it don't we know <laughs> it I mean I think I did probably four stories about grammar schools this week that were very political um, and about the fact that this selective education team still exists, even though um, it was a good little story is, that yeah, even oh, though schools are off the agenda. Um, Cock up or conspiracy? Well, take your pick. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think it, the idea—it was kind of like they were saying, well, there are still grammar schools, so of course it's going to exist. But it didn't exist till October last year, which <laughs> was exactly a, a month after uh, Theresa May announced her plans. So, it, 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 my instinct is that no one in the department's noticed <laughs> yeah. that they need to be wound up. Yes. <laughs> Potentially, that uh, might be what has happened. I, I think. I think the you know the government may have lost the may have lost the battle on grammar schools, but I I, I sense that it's going to return. You know, in in the relatively near future, they're going to try again. Ooh, with that. There you go. Interesting. My, I can feel it in my bones. Oh, <laughs> and I'll leave it there. Oh. So that that's very interesting. We'll see the how Mystic soon. Jonathan. Yeah, Mystic Jonathan's <laughs> taking over Mystic Martin. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> So that leaves me to say thank you to Jonathan and Ed. Cheers. Thank you. And thank you for listening and tune in next week.